the shorthand lesson people tend to take from my career is uh, be a comedy photographer. That's not the lesson. The lesson in my career was that when I stopped trying to be a specific thing that I had in my mind that I had to be, when I stopped that, that was when um, my work changed, I became happier, and I let go of what I thought I had to do and to let go of this idea of what I thought I had to be. Hey, you know what time it is. Hot breath. <gasps> welcome back to the hot breath of all my hot brethren and sistren. And welcome newcomers. You are now part of the hot brotherhood. And you couldn't pick a better episode to start off with. I am your favorite host, Joel Byers. And welcome to your new favorite podcast. Hot breath. <gasps> yeah. We did it twice today because this episode is twice as exciting. We have an incredible guest where you are going to learn so much, not only about her, but about yourself and the creative process. This is the perfect episode for anybody creative, which is everybody. I don't care what your job is. Everybody has a creative side. And the more you can find your employment to draw on that creative side, the more fruitful that employment will be. That is just one of the many lessons learned in this episode with the one, the only, Mindy Tucker. Yes, Mindy Tucker. For those of you that know who she is, you're welcome. For those of you that don't yet, you're welcome. And welcome to the world of Mindy Tucker. This is the comedy photographer in the game. She is absolutely amazing. You'll hear me at the beginning of this episode all giggly because I'm getting, quote, Mindied. That means I'm getting my picture taken by Mindy Tucker. Her photos are so well-known and respected that they have their own phrase, getting Mindied. That should say it all right there, but she's not even just a photographer. She's an artist she has so many great perspectives. She draws a lot of good parallels between comedy and photography and between her background as an artist where she actually went to graduate school. I mean, drawing huge paintings. I mean, you're going to hear it all here with Mindy Tucker, but I was so happy to sit down with her here at Atlanta's Red Clay Comedy Festival. And if you do like comedy festivals, I would... Definitely recommend Atlanta's own Comedy Binge. This is the world's first online comedy festival taking place right here in Atlanta at Relapse Theater on October 29th. I will be part of the hosting crew, me and a part of many other hilarious comedians are going to be help out hosting this event. It's going to be headlined by Rob Hayes right here in Atlanta, now lives in New York, who's been on Comedy Central, Last Comic Standing, Hot Breath Podcast. He's actually the first episode on here, if you'd like to go check that out. But for you listening to this episode, you get an exclusive discount. Ooh, yes. All you have to do is go to comedybinge.co forward slash stream. Use promo code HOTBREATH, all one word. You get 20% off. Boom. You're clearly a comedy fan for listening to this. So go to comedybench.co forward clash stream 
promo code HOTBREATH, get 20% off and support another good cause for comedy. If you'd like to support me as well, you know, you can hit up my website. I just got a brandly new designed website, joelbyerscomedy.com. On there, you can see my schedule for shows like the one I host every Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur called Funny Monkey. You can also check out the new flyer I have for the show. We just won Atlanta's Best Local Comedy Show, as well as podcast. But in celebration of winning the comedy show award, I had the one and only Comedy Artwork make a brand new flyer. You can check out ComedyArtwork.com or follow him at Comedy Artwork. This guy is the real deal. He's not only made flyers for me, he's made this awesome avatar that now is the face of my website as well so any design needs you have hit up comedyartwork.com or follow him at comedy artwork he just did a cool illustration with a leslie jones he's worked with forbes funny or die he just posted something he did with the ringer podcast network i mean if if you're into comedy you're into comedy artwork and of course if you want to hone your skills a little bit you know, whether it be sketch, improv, stand-up. If you like stand-up, I teach a stand-up comedy class that we are about to start our new eight-week journey together. The uh, recent class, we just finished up our last class. Actually, today, and our grad show is going to be on October 30th at Highwire Comedy Company. If you'd like to come out and see the results in action, but Please. I mean, you know, the last class sold out, so I would recommend either going to my website or highwirecomedy.com, taking advantage of the early bird discount, because just like the past three, this one will sell out. And if you're even a seasoned comic just looking to, you know, create a writing regimen or just somebody new looking to learn more about stand-up comedy and what actually it takes to become a stand-up comic, I mean, it's for everybody. So just join the club. But now you have joined the Hot Breath Club. So it is time, ladies and gentle mine. I must say at the end of this intro, if you enjoy this episode, please leave an iTunes review. That really helps us to stand out in this cluttered podcast community. With so many podcasts, your review really makes a difference in helping us stand out and get that exposure much needed. And I really read them on the air. So a lot of you have been asking about how you can become a sponsor of the podcast Really, an easy and free way is to just leave an iTunes review. I read it on the air. I know some of you have been leaving iTunes reviews and you're coming up to me like, hey, man, why have you been reading them? You know, I've reached out to iTunes. I don't know why the new ones aren't populating yet. If anybody out there has had the same issue, please reach out to me on social media at Joel Byers Comedy or on Facebook and just let me know how you were able to resolve this because I'm still struggling to... They haven't shown one in like a month, so I'm, I'm kind of at wit's end on how to make this better. So let's come together. Let's keep working together, and I'll keep providing this awesome podcast to you, including this one. So all there is left to do is inhale a hot breath with Mindy, well, we have Mindy Tucker on here. Tucker. You brought your camera. Do you bring your camera everywhere? Pretty Is it much. like a, another appendage? Yeah. <laughs> okay, lean forward just a little bit. Oh my gosh. This is, I'm being shot by Mindy. I'm getting Mindy'd right now. You are. You I'm are. getting Mindy'd right now. You are. I feel like I Can shouldn't smile. Can I tell smile. you that my parents find that phrase hilarious? 
They're like, oh, you mean that's a good thing? <laughs> Lean forward a little bit more. Mm. A little bit. Chin down a little bit. Mm. Oh, that's cute. I want to do I wanna do one more. Give me that look one more time. It's just a little too much of this microphone. Oh, wow. Okay. Do the here, look again. So. Oh, my but gosh. But that look works with, like, the chin down just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's much better. We just want more of you in it than that second microphone. Chin down, that's mm -hmm. mine. Okay, yeah, that looks super good. Okay. Oh my gosh. Right. I, I just got mindied. What a start to this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, we don't even have to do the interview now. I just got. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm so, I'm so excited you're, uh, you're sitting down right now. Taking time out of this. If you could please say your full name into the microphone. Uh, hello, I'm Mindy Tucker. Mindy Tucker, welcome to the hot breath of us. Yes. <laughs> We're here. We're in Atlanta. We're at Red Clay Comedy Festival. You are the photographer. Mm -hmm. You are the Mindy Tucker. So thank you for sitting down with me here on Hot Breath. Press of Red Clay, not to brag or anything, but couldn't get a real... Uh, stage time, so I came in as press. But um, <laughs> pretty much just what is your, I guess, to, to start it off, we're in Atlanta. This is an Atlanta-based podcast. What is, you were a photographer on the inaugural Red Clay last year. What is mm -hmm. your kind of take of Atlanta and maybe the comedy scene overall? Oh, I mean, I'm I, I'm not from here, but I'm, I'm from the South. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited anytime I see people cooperating together to make a scene. I think it's wonderful. Um, and it's, it's just really exciting. I enjoy meeting the Atlanta comics, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like, it's fun to be down here with people from New York because in New York we're so busy and we might see each other at a show, but we're both running to another show. So it's fun to be down here with them, but it's, it's just exciting, um, I think, to be a comedian in a place where it's not everything that there is. Do you know what mm, I mean? Okay. Um, so I'm just always like, go, you guys, do it, do it. <laughs> Take care of your scene. Right. Do it. Yeah. 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 I love how you're so emotionally invested in a scene you're not even, like, in, you well, know. I, you know. It's nice. I, it was a really uh, painful decision to leave Alabama. I didn't want to. It was something that I had to do because there just wasn't an art scene to to stay for. Mm, and, right, right. And um, so I think anytime people can come together for the greater good and, and, and keep something going, I think that's very commendable. And it's good for art overall. Yeah. Um, and even if people, you know, stay in Atlanta for a couple of years and, and go elsewhere to pursue their career, if they build up something and the next person that comes along, they leave it a little better for them, yeah. that's a success. Mm -hmm. And did you just jump straight from Alabama to New York? Was that I didn't. I didn't. I um, I was, I was kind of smart about it. I mm -hmm. knew that if I went to New York, uh, just straight going to New York, that that wouldn't work. 
because my dad's a preacher. I didn't know anyone in New York. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I could go up there and my family would help open doors in the art community or right, something. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any way. I would just be going to New York in a car landing where exactly yeah. <laughs> with no job with nothing. just an art degree i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like hi i can paint <laughs> the university of montevallo says so <laughs> so i went i uh, i applied for graduate school okay and i uh i went to the graduate school where i got a good scholarship and that was the university of connecticut oh, and i got nice. a master's in photography there Oh, okay. So you had an art degree in mm -hmm. um, at Montevello, and yeah. then that I guess you had a photography minor, or you had to yeah. take a. I had a painting major and a photography okay. minor, and I got my undergrad in Alabama, and then I I I knew that I wanted to leave, but I wasn't sure exactly what to do, mm -hmm. and so for me it was a good. It was very smart to take a middle step. Yeah, to go from. Alabama to Connecticut and then mm -hmm. New York. And then New York, yeah. And then the parents are like, oh, cool. Or, no. no. <laughs> Not good. Because I sound traditional, I guess. Mm -hmm. Southern and he's a preacher as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was not... It was not a good time. <laughs> they accept it now, though, you being, you've been a new, I mean, there's no need to even run down your resume. You know, you're pretty much the photographer. So, like, are they happy now, at least? Um, They are in... The thing that I've come to understand is that uh, all of those hard times was love expressing itself as fear. Mm. And I think if you're an artist, and especially if you're young and you're having trouble with your family, if you can try to understand that it's love coming out in a in a strange way, mm -hmm. but it, it's still love. It's because if you're parents don't know anything about the world that you're entering into um the statistics are scary yeah and and if they can't help you in any way it makes sense you know and it um and it's a very long road to be an artist and to get uh to a place where it's livable and comfortable that it's not easy mm -hmm. so i i see their side of it now more than i did when i was young and i think they uh maybe underestimated the amount of work ethic that i had and that i was like yeah i know it's gonna be hard still yeah. going <laughs> so and successful now yeah and it started off as like you were more in the art scene of new york right and then grew to the comedy side? Yeah, I I had an idea of what I was going to go to New York and do. And... Uh, what was that? Well, it was a very childish idea. I understood the art world through going to school for art. Mm -hmm. So my idea of going to New York was that I was going to... Um, hook up with a gallery and have gallery shows. And that was my understanding of things. Mm -hmm. And I did do that to an extent. And I was really unhappy and miserable. And um, the thing that I've always tried to convey to people is, um, you know, I've been around for so long that the shorthand lesson people tend to take from my career is uh, be a comedy photographer. Mm. And that's not the lesson the lesson in my career was that when I stopped 
trying to be a specific thing that I had in my mind that I had to be. When I stopped that, that was when um, my work changed. I became happier and I started doing exactly what it was I should have been doing the whole time. And so it was very important um, to let go of what I thought I had to do and to let go of this idea of what I thought I had to be. And the very simple change was that I had a best friend. She's also from Alabama. And she ran a comedy show at a place called Rafifi. Mm. And she asked me to take photos there. And I agreed to do it for two reasons. Number one, she lived on the Upper East Side and I lived in Williamsburg. And to get back and forth between the two places takes a very long time. Rafifi was centrally located. It was three subway stops away from where I lived. And so it was easier to see her and, you know, kind of keep up with her as a friend and schedule social time with her because, okay, it's a show. It happens at such and such time. We'll both be there. Easy. Right? Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to one of us go an hour and a half to the other person's neighborhood. And the other reason that I did it is that it was a chance to work out as an artist. And the first comedy photos were not good. Right. And um, <laughs> they were not good. By and your I, standards, I'm sure. No, I knew. I mean, I knew they yeah. weren't good. Mm -hmm. And so it was an opportunity the place where I was in a, as an artist, I was so lost and I knew that what I had been doing was not working and was not right. And I didn't want to not do anything. And so it was a chance to work out. It was just a chance to work out, just work on my craft mm. and try to make these photos that weren't successful better every week and just go try to make them better. And go and do this in a place where people need this service. My friend needs this. And so it's nurturing a friendship. It's going where people need what it is I'm doing. And then it's also making me better because I'm, I'm, I was working on, you know, from starting from a not great place and trying to get better. Yeah. And when I started those things in that way, instead of this imaginary like, okay, well, this work will end up in a gallery, like, instead of that being the starting place. Mm -hmm. um, that's when things began to happen. So you didn't even have a goal with the photos. You're like, this no. is just me working on my craft while yes, photographing just, people working on their craft. You're almost doing open mic photography because mm -hmm. you, you, people may not realize you're shooting these shows for free, mm -hmm. like, still. Like, mm -hmm. you really just do this out of the goodness of your heart. In the film, and when you, you photograph like Whiplash, which is like one of the biggest shows in New York, among others as well. So mm -hmm. it's really something that is, I mean, you're a professional at it, but you still will volunteer your time just for the love of it and everything. Mm -hmm. But was there, was there a situation where like your equipment got stolen or something and like comedians started like a, a crowdfunding to help you get equipment back? Oh, no, it was... Um because I've never had a budget and it's always difficult whenever I need new gear. Mm -hmm. There was um, a lens that uh, when when people have a budget, like, you know, like let's say they do the bell house or something like that. So they're actually selling tickets. So they actually have a budget. When people had a budget and they could pay for photos, I would have to go and rent 
this better lens because, oh, we have a budget to cover you renting it. So then I would have to go rent the lens, shoot the show, uh, return the lens the next day. And, and so it was a very laborious process to ever use the better lens. Mm-hmm. And so people, and it, it, there was probably about a year of that. And then several producers got together and they were like, listen, the time alone of her just going back and forth to the rental place is ridiculous. Can we do something about this? Mm-hmm. And I uh, truly cried when they surprised me. With the <laughs> <laughs> I, mainly because of the errands that I no longer had to run. It made my life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but you make their lives easier <laughs> by bringing their kind of visual image to life. And you've been doing this thing, like this year in review, mm-hmm. where it's like an, it's pretty much an exhibit now at Creek in the Cave, where like yeah. each year you post like every photo from the year. I think you've turned into a book at one point as well. Mm-hmm. Like, was that just, is that just, um, it's kind of like a tip of the cap to the scene or somebody come up to you and be like, you're taking a lot of pictures. Maybe you should kind of <laughs> curate this in some way. Uh, well, what happened the first year that I did the show, uh, what happened was Rebecca asked me to put something up on the walls at the Creek okay. and what any normal artist would do is just pick 20 photos and put them in a frame and call it a day. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I see the work as a long form document. So for me, it's not about one photo of a person. It's about 10 years of that person's journey. And it's not about one show or one portrait. It's about a collective body of work. And so uh, at the time that Rebecca asked me to do the show, I just kind of kicked it around in my head for a couple of weeks and I just couldn't see any way to not do a survey show. It mm. didn't, nothing felt right. Nothing felt right about even upping the number of portraits or something because the portraits are as important as the show photos and the show photos really fuel the portraits. Mm-hmm. And so there's not, to me, there's not really a divorcing of those things. And, um, and so uh, it just, I, I think it's important that they all be seen together and because, you know, yes, you're individuals performing comedy, but you are also part of a community, whether you like it or not, or like the word community or not, you are not a lone wolf <laughs> mm-hmm. with a microphone. You're just not, you're part of a collective history and you're part of a scene um, again, whether you embrace that or not, that's what you're a part of. Yeah. And so it just felt important that it, that the show be about that. And, uh, yeah. And now it's something that takes me a very long time to make every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get asked to do numerous projects. You just did the women of comedy mm-hmm. as well. I think that took place at Creek in the Cave as well, but yeah, that was, was at like, Littlefield. Oh, okay. That was like over 200 Mm-hmm. Um, comedians, quote, women of comedy mm-hmm. that came together and another event that you were able to kind of capture as well. It's really, I mean, it's inspiring your story as well because, I mean, where you come from, you know, Alabama to New York to where you are this prominent photographer and really the, like I asked somebody when, when, I, when I saw you photographing uh, the first night here when Clayton English is on stage, I asked 
uh, David Perdue, I was like, that, that's Mindy Tucker, right? And he goes, no. He goes, that's the Mindy Tucker. Aww. And I was like, oh, okay. That makes <laughs> sense, yeah. Because <laughs> what's, what's great about your art as well, especially seeing it in like a year in review mm-hmm. or like on your website, is there is, you, I mean, it's, it's kind of like with a comedian and how there's a comedian has a delivery and yeah. that, that's unique to them. Your photographs have, I mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, it, I mean there's a look to them. That is, you look at it and you're like, that's, that's Mindy Tucker. That it's like almost like your signature on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like how, I'm guessing that's intentional. I, it didn't, it didn't start, it didn't start that way, but I, I did start out as a painter Mm -hmm. and that part is, is important because it, um, really, I was very influenced by the paintings of Caravaggio. Um, and if you've only seen them as postcards or in art books, that won't make any sense. Mm. Um, because I, when I was younger and I was, you know, you, you have to study him in, you know, your first year of art school or whatever. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I went to Italy uh, and actually saw Caravaggio's in person. Oh, wow. And that... Uh, was shocking to me. It was shocking because first of all, they're huge. They're very large paintings. And so what you see reproduced in a book, there'll be, you know, a a swath of red, like someone's robe will be red or whatever. Well, in person, that's probably two feet of just a field of red. And that red is glowing. And that painting is hundreds of years old and, and, and it's glowing. And his colors are, are um, there's something just so incredibly beautiful about them. Mm-hmm. And I got obsessed with that and with the way that he lit things. And at the time, I was, um, I, I didn't have a camera yet, but I went back and I was obsessed with, okay, how's he getting that? How's he getting that? And I also on that same trip, I saw Vermeer's in person. And those are very, very, very small, but they also glow. And mm. um, and I was just obsessed with that. And I went back to, to painting in Alabama, and I was obsessed with glazing and glow and how do you build up paint uh, to, to make it almost its own light source. And there's just nuts with it. And then when I got a camera that structural influence of how those things were lit was already there. So I was already trying to make the photos look like those paintings. So my influences were less photographic influences. I got a camera because I needed to learn how to take slides of my paintings. I didn't get a camera because there was a photographer that influenced me. And so the first photos were you know, they were just naturally lit, but it was me moving people into positions where the light was coming in at a certain way. And that was all, that was all influenced by Vermeer and Caravaggio and just the old masters. And that was, that, that's what the, that's what the influence was, uh, mm-hmm. in the very beginning with the photos. And then when I, for a long time, I shot natural light cause I just didn't have money to buy a flash. I mean, I just was that dirt right. broke. Yeah. And then when I did have money to buy a flash, 
um, pretty much right away, I was interested in how do you solve the problem of how ugly this is and how do you make um, this light uh, not horrific and flat. And I struggled with that and tried a bunch of different things. But the thing I was always going for was uh, glow. Mm. And, um, and then I edit things, and especially in portraits, the painting background is coming through because a lot of times I'm literally painting on top of them. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That was something, the lighting is a big thing. I, I interviewed Troy Conrad on here, who's a photographer in L.A. Mm-hmm. Who He was a photographer at Just for Laughs this year where I interviewed him. But kind of like your year in review, he has um, at the Comedy Store, he has an exhibit curated there that's called Hall Series where he photographs um, the paid regulars like in the, I guess, in the main room hallway with all these They've kind of become iconic photographs at the comedy store of them with all these headshots around them and stuff. But something he said about you when I was like, I'm going to try to interview Mindy Tucker while um, while she's here. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, well, first, tell her I want to meet her, first <laughs> off. But he said there was something. You just had um, a really good grasp of lighting very early on. He said that's like the main thing that stuck out to him is just your understanding of lighting just so early in your career. Mm. So I guess that comes from the painting mm-hmm. that I guess helped all that happen. Yeah. That's people, I guess you may not be familiar with them, but peers are noticing oh, okay. that as well. Cool. So mm-hmm. like with, with painting, you know, I, I mean, I love drawing and painting. I'm terrible at it, mm-hmm. but um, it is something that's always interested me just like photography as well. So when just thinking of parallels, maybe like, let's say you're taking a photograph are you looking at where to take it as opposed to who you're taking it of? Like, is that really what's more important? Uh, no, I, uh, I usually, I'm usually looking at the person first, Mm -hmm. usually. Uh, and then from there, I'm maybe looking around the room for where that's going to work the best, you know, or where they might feel the most comfortable. But you're always, are you always, everywhere you go, are you always looking like you're seeing photographs? It's <laughs> not much as motion, but you're just capturing individual. No, I, uh, I think people come to photography for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't come into it for that. I, I started taking pictures at the time that I knew I was going to leave Alabama and I started taking photos out of a uh, deep sadness and sentimentality because I knew uh, I was leaving all the people I was photographing. Mm. And so it was a process, uh, it was a way to process grieving. And it was very sentimental. And so I have a friend who's just the most amazing poetic street photographer and I'm obsessed with her work. I love it so much. Uh, you should all follow Amy Touchette on Instagram. Uh, she's just, her, her work is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably never take a, a photo like she takes because she takes photos of strangers and I have absolutely uh, no interest at all in that. I might notice something. I have no uh, compulsion to photograph it or like, oh, I gotta get my camera out. I, I, I don't have that at all. And I, I mean, I know very well other photographers who do. And I don't, 
that is not something that I have. And uh, other photographers uh, maybe are drawn to it for glamour, uh, like a love of beauty mm. or something. I, I don't have any interest in that either. Uh, what I do, where it does happen is I can make it a about 12 to 15 minutes at a birthday party before <laughs> before the camera comes out because mm. what's happening is I know and love these people. Oh, my God, look at everybody together and camera's out <laughs> um, because what I want to document is that everyone's together. Oh, my God, look, they're eating pizza. Oh, my God, look, everybody's dancing. Oh, my God, look how the light is falling on them when they're dancing and they look like, oh, they look so angelic. Click, 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 click. So uh -huh. it's more like a sentimental soccer mom uh, than any other motivation. So it's... Um, you know, I kind of look at the person first and if I have like a feeling of like, oh, I want to make sure that's documented, then I look for where it, that might photograph best. Oh, so there's got to be that emotional connection yeah, to the I, subject, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I have people who want to hire me for um, for just random parties and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> So you're almost the soccer mom of New York comedy. Then. Yes, is that what you're very saying? much. Wow. Very, very much. Mm -hmm. I want everyone to win. Yeah. I want everyone to be happy and to remember to eat snacks because <laughs> otherwise you'll feel bad. Well, you photographed, I mean, artists, um, actors, musicians, but what is it about comedians that you have such a gravity towards? Uh, I, I do. I have thought about that a lot, and I, I absolutely know where it comes from. The time in my life that I started shooting comedy was right when I had had a victory in the art world, and I felt nothing. Mm. And I didn't like uh, the process. And mainly it didn't do for me what I thought it was going to do for me. And that's the big thing I'm trying to say of like, be very careful about how you're structuring your career mm -hmm. because I had this idea, I'll get this thing. I'll get this line on my resume and this line on my resume is going to give me X, Y, and Z. And then I'm going to feel this way. And then, and then, and then, right. Mm -hmm. And I got there and I did get the goal that I was working towards. And it absolutely was not, it did not do for me what I thought it was going to do for me artistically. It did not bring to me a, like a meeting of the minds with other artists. It did not, didn't do any of that. I felt no sense of community. I felt no sense of being spurred on to do the next project. And it just left me depleted and lost and not knowing what to do. What was that goal? Um, in, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you see comedians. The comedic uh, equivalent would be uh, you start at open mics and then you work your way up to book shows mm -hmm. and then from there you want to feature and then from there – and there's a there's a ladder, right? Right, right. right. And where uh, – the way that that works in art is uh, you get out of your MFA program, you get 20 slides, you start submitting to group shows, hopefully you get in a group show – and from a group show, maybe you get a solo show, blah, da, 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 da. And there's a ladder mm -hmm. and there's a set of steps to take. I got to the step on the ladder of getting in a group show and just every part of the process was just 
um, it just it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And if I had paid attention along the way, I would have recognized that I was making work without joy, and I would have recognized that I was making work um, out of a school book mm-hmm. and out of a playbook that had been given to me by professors. And if I had paid attention to how I actually felt when I made the work, maybe I would have figured that out sooner. But for me, it was getting this specific goal, meeting this specific goal, and realizing that it did not do for me what I thought it was going to do. And when I went to my very first comedy show, uh, first of all, I enjoyed it. Second of all, I was with my friend Carol. And I got the photos back, and they weren't good. And I went the next time to the next show and some of the same comedians were there and I was able to say, Hey, I I don't think that photo I took of you was good. Could we try? But I da 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 da. And, uh, so Baron Vaughn was a regular on Carol's show. Also Matt McCarthy and they were wonderful and we did collaborate and we did, you know, and I would start posting photos um, and and then we would talk about it the next week of like, okay, well, I think this worked, but but I wonder if I wonder if we try da 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 da. And that collaboration was there with comedians in a way that it was not in uh, the art world that I was a part of at the time. Gotcha. Okay. And the other big lesson was that comedians, they're out, they're working on sets, they're doing work in a chronic uh, way. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's a oh, chronic yeah. condition. <laughs> a, you know, no, no comedian would expect to, um, no, no comedian in the right mind would, would expect to have a great, uh, five minutes by just going and doing one show a week. Right. 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 It's something that it's just the daily practice of making things. Mm-hmm. And it's the daily practice, um, that I connected with and that I understood, Oh, I need to do things in that way. And so it's not about, uh, I'll do one good portrait this week. It's about, I'll go into the studio every day this week and I'll give it my best effort and I'll prepare and I'll be present for the people that I'm shooting. And maybe one of these will be the clue to the next step. And maybe one of these will be the clue for uh, a new direction or a new project instead of maybe if I sit at home and fume and stew and try to figure out maybe that's that's not going to be where your next step comes from. Like forcing it mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah. it's just going to come from just doing the work every day. And no one likes hearing that advice. But right. <laughs> yep. Is that work ethic, though? Mm-hmm. Where, where do you think that came from, your work ethic? I do think uh, to a degree it's you're either born with it or you're not. Mm. Uh, My my mom told me a story when I went home last year for Christmas because we fought so much uh, my later years of high school and the entire time I was in college um, because they just didn't get the art thing and they – really were trying to steer me in any direction but that, you know, just just because they didn't understand it and they were scared. And my mom told me over Christmas, she said, Mindy, 
I, I beat myself up sometimes because I, I should have seen it. Just mm. like when you were six years old, you walked into the kitchen. I was making dinner. You put your hand on your hip and you said, if you need me, I will be in my studio. <laughs> and you <laughs> turned around, <laughs> ran back down the hall, and I came to get you for dinner, and you were in there just scribbling away <laughs> Wow! by yourself. Uh-huh. She was like, I should have seen it then. You told me. You literally told me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, and I've, I've always been the person that if people are you know I remember in high school being the one of my friends if there was an idea to do something I was going to be the one who was going to make a list of like okay so here's how we would pull it off (laughs) (laughs) and you've it's clearly worked out for your career you're like okay this is how I'm going to pull it off and you've pulled it off I mean you're working with so many comedians and I have a lot of comedians that listen to this I would love to know some insight you have from just taking so many portraits of comedians and working with so many comedians, mm-hmm. like what kind of insight could you provide to a comedian looking to get like maybe new portraits for their website or something? Things of like capturing their image, perhaps. Mm. Um, all advice about that's bad. <laughs> um, uh, and don't read anything about it either. That's also a bad idea. I have people who write in to me um, coming in for portraits and they want to know if I have a one sheet for them of instructions. And my answer is no, um, because every shoot is different. Every person is different. Um and every career is different, and what you're going to need out of photos, uh, it's different for every single person. Um, my advice for everything is to be rested mm-hmm. and prepared and present. And just uh, if you're going into a shoot with someone, um, you know, uh, take a couple of solid shirts and don't be hungover and listen to what they say. And if you get a bad feeling, maybe bail. Um, But all things in your career, you know, there's no, uh, there's no one size fits all advice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. You're really big on following the feeling is what mm-hmm. seems to be something that's been able to kind of guide you mm-hmm. instinctually. But that, I mean, that's a discipline in itself of like just following an instinct. And like you're saying, okay, I'm at this photo shoot, have a bad feeling, I just leave. Politely you know? or professionally or. Right, yeah. You know. But I mean, is that something like, because I mean, you've been doing photography, was it? Um, I mean, how, how long have you been doing photography, would you say? Since 1996. 1996. But you've been an artist your whole life. So, I mean, that's something I struggle with is like following instincts on things. And there are moments where like you'll look back and be like, oh, if I followed the impulse then. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's hard to be like an if then situation and dwelling. But you can see opportunities once they're already passed. So like, are you at a moment... And at a point now that you have so much practice at it mm-hmm. that you have an impulse and you just 100 miles an hour in that direction regardless. Like, is that kind of the mode? I do. I have made some big swings in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you just kind of 
you just kind of have to learn to trust yourself even if other people don't see it you just have to um yeah I've, I've done some things over the last couple of years uh just because i'm like yeah it's time and uh, you guys can catch up with me or not <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad we were able to sit down and catch up and you just share so much insight into the creative process it's really interesting just to see the parallels you don't look at on the surface, but as you start to analyze them, you're like, oh, there are a lot of parallels between mm -hmm. like being a comedian and a photographer mm -hmm. and just that that grind and that work ethic. And repetition really is like the father of learning. It's just doing it over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I guess, you know, I'm at a point with my comedy where like I'm still like, oh, that was a good set. And then you listen back on it and you're like, oh, but, you know, I breathed wrong here or something <laughs> like with your photos, are you at a point now in your confidence and self-awareness? Do you look at a photo and you're like, yeah, that's a good photo? Or are you just no. stuck on the flaw? You're still? No. Okay. I, I, I like a photo maybe like twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. And I, yeah. think, I think it's you exactly have to learn. I think you have to learn to live with that as an artist. And I think you have to learn how to be kind to yourself and I think it's very important um, to see that, mm -hmm. see the way that you could have improved something and take the note, uh, even if that note is from you mm -hmm. and you're a harsh critic of yourself, take the note, apply it the next time, but also take the win, you know, because is it as bad as you're diagnosing or is it simply a thing to follow through on next time? You know, um, are you as bad as you're beating yourself up about, you know, probably not. And try to find a way to acknowledge the ways you can get better and maybe the things you can change. Maybe do some research, maybe mm -hmm. run some tape. Um, that is a big thing. Uh, more than giving advice about photos, I would I would say don't just run a tape when you're preparing uh, to submit for late night, run a tape. Uh, you know the one big piece of advice I can give you? What you got? There is a phrase that's called find your light. It comes from theater. And that's uh, probably the number one mistake I see comedians making. Um, there is a spotlight on stage, you guys. <laughs> when you feel that hot light on your face, mm -hmm. don't back away from it. Lean into it, my friends, mm. because the mm -hmm. audience can see you better. <laughs> uh, and that that's the number one thing I see comedians do. Wow, that is great advice, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, okay, music. <laughs> uh, well, um, there's something, before we get out of here, I always ask comedians something that happens in the comedy world is bombing a lot. Mm. I'm sure you've seen comedians bomb in your years and things like that. But, and I always ask them to tell a story of an epic bomb, of like getting <laughs> booed or something. <laughs> Could you share a story of that from maybe like the photography world? Is there an equivalent oh, or art in general from your experience and your creative oh, endeavors? Gosh. Oh, I mean, pick an era. Gosh. <laughs> Everybody always like there's too many to. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. It's just, it's so much failure. Mm -hmm. um, God, let me see a specific one. Uh, I mean, as a painter, many, many, many bombs for a while. I was really obsessed with painting big because I had come back from Italy and seen um, 
those Caravaggios. And I was just obsessed with like, how do you, how do you control a space that large? And how large um, is he talking? Uh, six feet by eight feet. Wow. I, did, I did a bunch of six feet by eight feet paintings. Wow. And the thing is they were constructed on very heavy wood stretchers. And so when I was applying for grad school, uh, there was this painting that I was trying to do a slide of, and I had to keep moving around to get the lighting just right on it. So there weren't any shadows. And, mm. you know, it was like so important because I need that scholarship for graduate school or I was never going to get out of Alabama. <laughs> and, um, but I also was like, I can do this all myself. I can do it all myself. I know I can. I know I can. Mm. Um, cause I didn't, didn't have anyone to help me. And, uh, so I was trying to do slides of this really uh, just bad, bad painting, a bad painting. It's really bad. I don't know. Thank you, Yukon, for letting me in. I, I was about did. to say, you still got a scholarship I out did, of it. Yeah. I did, but it was a bad painting. I was trying to do a slide of it, and I went to go move it around, and it fell, and it fell on my toe, and I broke my toe. Oh. <laughs> so that was a bad painting and a bad photo shoot. Yeah. 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 I did by myself. So that was one. <laughs> that was one. Yeah. You breaking your toe is definitely, that's a good bombing story for, yeah. for art. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> if a comedian broke his toe on stage, that would be his bombing story. So I'll accept that. That's great. <laughs> well, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? No, no, we're good. Mm-hmm. Well, where, where can they keep up with you? Let them know where they, I mean, you're just ch- generating material constantly. <laughs> it's it's inspiring. It really is. So, like, where can where can people? Um, I I like to use my Instagram in real time. Mm-hmm. I most of the photos are on my iPhone, and most of them are taken like right before they're posted. Most of them, unless I'm putting out like a book cover or a CD cover or something. Um, so Instagram is a good place uh, to follow me and also kind of see what's happening in, in comedy right now. Yeah. Um, and that's with reservation. And then you can also follow me on the Twitters or uh, <laughs> or the websites with reservation. Yeah. And where that name come from? Just. Oh yeah. Well, uh, when I moved to New York, uh, the first three or four years were really bad, and I really. I really didn't have money for like food and uh, it was just a really scary time and I had a job as a temporary secretary in an insurance company and I saw there's a I just saw the phrase a lot on a lot of the paperwork I was doing Mm. and the phrase was with reservation and it it basically meant um, you know you can go through with this but we don't love it and that's how I felt. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt about myself and my art and everything mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, and, and that's what was on my mind when I had to claim a URL and put up some work. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, now you know. Uh, Mindy <laughs> Tucker, thank you for being on Hot Breath. Oh, thank you so much. Yay. <laughs> Let me take a selfie now of us. Oh, yeah, you got it. Do you have any professional advice on people taking selfies? Like you see people, is there a specific angle people should be going for? Um, it's not so much about that angle. It's just, you know, find your light. Find your light? Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh-huh. So oh, wait, is that good light? Wait, How can see. we? So see, that's your light. Okay. So that's going to, 
that's going to be good on you. Oh, then, so you turn towards the yeah, light. Yeah, you just kind of turn towards it. And you want to try to get the camera behind the light almost? Or like you get want, the light behind the yeah, camera? you just always want the light right on your face. Mm. So see, you see how there it's like very bad. On yeah, just on one side any, of the face. I don't have on any makeup, so you're saying how the lighting is just on one half. You want yeah, to take up the whole. Yeah, see how it's right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you were on stage, you would want to. You would want to. You would literally want to find that light, and mm -hmm. then you want to make a direct line of that light into your face. Wow. And what comedians do is they feel the light on their face, and they literally move. Mm, okay. And not only is that bad for if there's a photographer there and they're trying to capture you, it's also bad for your audience because they can't see your facial expressions. Yeah. So you should really run tape on yourself and see if you're uh, ducking out of your light because you you may be diagnosing a joke as, as not doing well, but if that mm. joke is being sold with a facial expression and you're hiding from your light, you may need to test that joke when you're act when the audience can actually see you. Are you like in the matrix? Can you see like rays of light? <laughs> like you see, I just see a light bulb up there, but can you see the actual, like <laughs> almost <laughs> kind of, you can. <laughs> I've been looking at it a long time. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah. Are you, do you enjoy, I know you brought your, I mean, I'll just pack up, but I know you bought your first camera out of it, the trunk of a car. I did. And all this. And like, how do you feel about people now who can just buy a phone and it can be quality images? Like, um, are you cool? Is it, is it cool? Or? I mean, I'm cool with it. I feel, honestly, I feel very lucky because, um, I, I learned on black and white, I had to develop wow. my own film and I had to print my own photos. Mm -hmm. And there's something that you learn from two years of just thinking in terms of form. Mm. And there's a structural integrity that gets baked into your pictures because that's, that's how you saw everything. Um, and if you start on digital, you're, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, do you resent it or you, you accept that it? it's just I part? I feel like I'm lucky, uh -huh. you know, because I think. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> Rodney! <laughs> oh, hey, sweetie. Oh, snap. It's, oh, it's Rodney. I didn't know if I was going to get to see Hi, pretty lady. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to town again. Busy. You look like you've been. What's up, man? Yeah. Sorry about that, y'all. No, I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> we were just wrapping up here. Rodney lead everybody. Yeah, he's he's been on here. Yeah, it was great. Where is he? Yeah. So you still old school in mentality of like you like. Oh no, I mean, you... I mean, I think people can learn on what whatever is available to them. Now. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. I think that I just feel lucky that. I had that time when I didn't have the professional pressure. Like if you were to try to s just do two years of black and white now, how would you make a living? Right. Because people yeah. wouldn't have patience for it. Right. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't. You, you wouldn't have a client. First of all, you wouldn't have a client pay for the film and developing and photo paper. It's exorbitant. <laughs> it's incredible. Right. So I came up in a time where that was the norm, and I had to learn that way. Mm-hmm. And then I printed my own color when I was in grad school, and that's where I learned um, 
a lot about color balance and color matching and um, because I I didn't learn it in Photoshop, I learned it in a color darkroom. It's so incredible. I, I, I feel like it's an advantage, but I also understand the world moves and changes. And, mm-hmm. you know, in 20 years, we'll even have still images. Who knows? Be Google Glass or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was great. You Thank you. can mad at it. Can you just, can you just sign your show notes here? Oh, just, cute. Yeah, yeah I, I, I document them, you know. <laughs> did you have fun? Was I that? did. I did. Hopefully people learn about you. And I got Mindy. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Here you go. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be cagey on the headshot advice. I just have so many people come in to do shots with me and they've read bad blogs. Mm -hmm. There's so much conflicting advice out there. Right, right, right. Pick the right photographer for you and listen to Boom. The advice out there, some of it is just. Thank you so much. Mindy yeah, I'm going to see you later. I'll see you later tonight, yeah. Kaboom. See, I told you you were going to learn a lot. Thank you, Mindy, for that rare behind-the-scenes insight into how you have really become one of the most influential people in comedy. Yeah, I said it. And thank you, listeners, for helping Hot Breath continuing to become one of the most influential podcasts in the game. That's really the whole goal of this. And you listening really has been helping make that possible. We keep rising in the ranks, and it's all thanks to you. And if you'd like to keep supporting the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please just go to iTunes. While it's fresh in your mind as we're sitting here still listening, you know, hop on over to iTunes, click five stars even. You don't have to type anything, but that rating really does make a difference in us starting to Stand out from the, you know, there's so many podcasts out there of just people yelling into their iPhone that is just kind of in the way. So you leaving that review really helps us to stand out even more and getting that quality comedy out there. And if you'd like to support me in any other way, you could go to my website, Joel Byers Comedy. There's links to my comedy class on there where, you know, it's an eight-week class where we cover performance and writing and the business. And it's just Perfect for anyone, whether you've been doing comedy a while and you want to just create that writing regimen where you have to be held accountable for having new material every week, or you're an aspiring comedian or just a curious comedy fan wanting to learn more behind the scenes of stand-up. This is the perfect class for you. Regardless of your skill level, you are going to graduate with a five-minute set ready for bookers. I've been saying that since day one, and I've developed the system that has actually been making that happen for people regardless of skill level and it's it's really something I'm proud of and I'm proud to be sharing it with you so if you go to my website there's a link on there or you go to highwirecomedy.com there's also links to our sketch classes we teach there and improv but if you on my website you know you can also see my schedule for awesome shows I do every week like including the one I host in Decatur at Java Monkey called Funny Monkey on there, you'll also see this dope flyer that was also made. That was made by Comedy Artwork. This dude is absolutely amazing. If you want to really just re-envision your brand, contact Comedy Artwork by going to at Comedy Artwork on social media or ComedyArtwork.com. Just tell him, you know, give you the hot breath special, and he'll take care of you. I'm so honored to be working with somebody who's been working with people like Forbes and Funny or Die and 
He just made a great poster for Sam Morell as well. I mean, he's, just, he's really working with the best, and I'm so happy he's on the Hot Breaths pod squad. And, of course, Comedy Binge. You know, you guys are comedy fans. A lot of you are comedians as well. Right here in Atlanta, we are hosting the world's first online comedy festival, October 29th. And just for being a hot brethren, you get 20% off by going to comedybinge.co forward slash stream. Use promo code HOTBREATH, all one word. You get 20% off. Definitely, if you like supporting comedy causes like Hot Breath, support Comedy Binge. This is a one-of-a-kind event that is just the first of many, and I'm so happy we've been able to team up and really support another amazing, just revolutionary show going on right here in Atlanta. So thank you, Comedy Binge, for helping us out here at Hot Breath. Thank you, listeners, for supporting me and also my amazing sponsors like Comedy Binge. Just comedybinge.co forward slash stream. Use promo code HOTBREATH. Get 20% off. Even if you're not in the festival and you're a comedian, festivals are great places to network and meet other comedians, and this one is no exception. It's breaking the mold of all these stale festivals out there. Comedy Binge. Cabinge. I don't know. That's not their tagline. I just said cabinge for some reason. Other just to see uh, who's still listening to this outro. Hmm. I don't know. Some people will tell me, oh, yeah, you. I listen, but not to the intro or outro. But I only put information in here that I think is important to you. You know, you're clearly supporters of comedy you like the art so i'm just giving you options of how you can keep supporting the art in other ways besides just listening so my bad for being progressive and trying to help you uh huh. but i'll get off my high horse here and uh we'll get on out of here thank you so much for listening thank you to my engineer amon garner a1 day one, this guy's keeping the episodes crystal clear. If you have any audio needs, hit up Amon Garner on Facebook. He is the real deal. He takes time from working in his studio. He works in a music studio. He takes time out to help Hot Breath, and he's helped other podcasts as well. So hit him up, Amon Garner, on Facebook for anything you need audio. And, of course, my fiance, Erin Rogers. She made this awesome theme song a lot of you have been hearing and the chime and all that jazz so i wouldn't be here without her so thank you for that support madam and thank you for all the listeners out there my hot brethren and sistren we have made it to another one we have so many exciting episodes on the horizon i'm so <laughs> let's just let's keep climbing let's keep climbing it's I, I just can't believe some of the people have been able to get on here including mindy who really doesn't do that many interviews, and she was just so generous with her time. And you've been so generous with your time tuning in here, so thank you for that. And I will stand down now. So until next Monday, I'll see you right here on Hot Breath. Oh.